This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back. Remember, more information about the show can be found on our Facebook page. Visit Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. On the phone with me now is Dr. Ian Smith. He is the author of the new novel, The Ancient Nine. He's here this morning to tell us all about this fascinating new book. It's our pleasure to welcome Dr. Ian Smith back to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning. How are you, doctor? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, let's talk about this very quickly before we talk about the new book. We had you on a few months ago, and you talked about your new book, The Clean 20, then. How's the Clean 20 movement? How's that going for you? Oh, it's going fantastic. So it's 20 days, 20 foods, total transformation. We actually have a Facebook group, uh, and the Facebook group is called simply The Clean 20, uh, and with the numerals 20. We have over 18,000 people who are in our Facebook group who are exchanging recipes and encouraging each other and exchanging workouts. So listeners who want to, you know, eat better, not perfectly, by the way, but eat a little cleaner and feel better, definitely join our Facebook group, The Clean 20. So let's talk about this new book, The Ancient Nine. So this is a huge leap for you, I would imagine, you know, going from the health and wellness to this novel. Was this a challenge for you going from that process and getting to this particular book and getting to a novel? Well, for the public, um, they see this as a large departure from what I typically do, which is my health and wellness and diet books. But, you know, I have been a writer and reader and lover of fiction for many, many years since I was in college. In fact, I did write another novel uh, that came out in 2004 called The Blackbird Papers. But The Ancient Nine, my new novel, uh, 14 years after my last novel, is a departure, but it's really taking me back to where I came from. It's about uh, the Harvard elite secret societies called Final Clubs. Uh, as an undergraduate student at Harvard, I was a member of one. Um, and so I say in the beginning of the book that this is based on real events. I love the mystery, suspense, thriller genre, uh, and The Ancient Nine is that type of book. It basically um, is about a student uh, who is kind of uh, a fish out of water uh, from the other side of the tracks that gets mysteriously invited to join one of these prestigious clubs at Harvard, these, one of these secret societies. Um, and in the midst of joining or trying to join, he also is trying to discover the truth uh, about a group of men called the Ancient Nine, who have been rumored to be the guardians of the secrets of these, one of these clubs um, in their, their huge uh, mentioned brick clubhouse in Harvard Square. So let me ask you this, Dr. Ian Smith. Now, I understand that you started writing this book 25 years ago when you were first, quote-unquote, punched to join these clubs. So basically, this book has been 25 years in the making. Yes. So these clubs were started back in the 1700s. Uh, They have been membered by the names of who's who in America. President Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, President John Kennedy, Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., and a bunch of other people, including, by the way, in my own club, the Delphic, Matt Damon, the actor. Uh, And so... You know, punched means that you are invited. So the term they use is, is invited to begin the process. Just because you're punched doesn't mean you actually get elected. It means that they will put you through a series of events, cocktail parties, dinners, um, to see whether or not at the end of the day you get voted into the club. And so, you know, I was punched. You get typically punched as a sophomore. Uh, you can be punched as a junior, but most of the punchees are sophomores. Uh, and you don't typically know everyone who's in the club. I mean, you get to learn who some of the members are, but it still is cloaked in a lot of secrecy and and mystery. And the idea behind the Ancient Nine is that this 
student who was being punched, which is me, um, ended up finding out about um, this mystery uh, that dated all the way back to the 1920s when a student disappeared trying to break into the Duffick Mansion, uh, which is the, the name of my clubhouse. So I understand that this is the first time anyone has written a book like this, which goes behind the doors of these all-male century-old clubs. Is that right? Yeah, there's very few of places you can go to really learn about what's behind the doors, and no one has definitely written extensively about this. So this is the first book where you really peel back you know, the layers and, and pull back the curtain and see how members get in and kind of what they will do once they get in. So, yes, this is the first time it's being done. I do it in the form of a novel rather than nonfiction uh, because I didn't really want to write an expose on the clubs and get into the politics of the clubs. I really wanted people to see behind the curtains, but also to have some fun and learning about some of these hidden treasures uh, that have been rumored to be in these clubs behind the walls for years. Okay, so explain to us how these clubs are different from fraternities and sororities and things like that. How are they different? Well, they're different because these clubs are more formal. So these clubs, owned, they're independently owned uh, by the undergraduates and the graduate members. So at Harvard, they're, they're housed in these huge mansions that are probably 10 to $15 million in value. Um, and the university doesn't own them. So the university has no sway over the clubs whatsoever. Um, the university is not happy about that. And at this point in time, as we speak, is trying to either disband the clubs or open up the clubs or prevent people from joining them. But, um, you know, these clubs compared to fraternities, you know, we, we do have parties like regular college students and we're still college students, but the graduate members are more active. Uh, we have formal dinners. Uh, there's a staff. Uh, at the club that cooks and cleans and serves us lunches and dinners that we may go to if we don't want to go to the dining hall to eat with the other students. We can always go to the clubhouse and have lunch or dinner. Um, and, you know, the events tend to be more, let's just say, high-end. Um, you know, a lot of these members of clubs for years have been legacies, people who have been generations in the clubs, wealthy families from the right cities in the right part of town. Um, and so the, the history of these clubs is very rich. And very steeped. So explain to us, you mentioned this, and I do want to touch on this, that today these clubs are coming under fire. Um, what's at the center? What What's at the center of this controversy with these clubs? So when these clubs started back in the 1700s, as you can imagine, Harvard was all men and all white. Um, however, the university over the centuries has evolved into a more diverse community. So about the 60s, um, when women and more minorities were admitted into the school, Harvard took a stance that they wanted these clubs to either disband or open up their doors to other types of students. They felt like these clubs were very exclusionary, um, and if people weren't the right color uh, or the right gender or even have the, you know, occupy the right socioeconomic stratum, that they shouldn't be invited. And so the university said, hey, you should open these clubs up. The problem from a legal standpoint is that the university doesn't own the club, so the university can't tell students what to do on their free time. Um, now, fast forward to uh, this past year, the university has taken an even more aggressive stance to, um, to pressure the club. So they've now said that members of clubs cannot have or hold uh, captain uh, roles on varsity sporting teams. Uh, they cannot hold government offices, uh, so they can't be in the government, student government. Uh, mm -hmm. But they also will not get endorsements for the university if they want to apply for scholarships like 
the Rhodes Scholar or the Fulbright. So they're applying as much pressure as they can to get the clubs to either open up or disband. Um, but that's about all they can do. I personally don't think it's going to be very effective. These clubs have been around since the 1700s. The founder of my club, for example, was J.P. Morgan Jr. of J.P. Morgan Chase and his family. Mm-hmm. So these clubs have been founded and supported and continue to be supported by legacies. I just don't think that they're going to go away like the university wants them to. So what kind of a reaction are you getting from people, especially those that are in these clubs and you're exploring something that hasn't been spoken about for so long, revealing in a fictional way in some sorts some of the secrets to these secret clubs? Well, it's interesting. So the book just came out, um, and so but some people have read the book or read some of the advanced copies. So some the non-members of the clubs have actually enjoyed it. Uh, they said they've been reading it in three days. They can't put it down. Uh, because it really is a thriller. It's very suspenseful, and you want to know what happens next, what happens next. Some of the members have had a chance to read some of it, and they've been fine with it. There has been no blowback whatsoever. Um, They have enjoyed kind of going back into areas that they know very well, and they're actually, they they too are intrigued by the mystery. The, The mystery basically centers around two of Harvard's most important books, one book that is the last book remaining of John Harvard's collection, uh, and the other book is a book that belonged in the private library of King James I. And so these two historical books are at the center of this controversy as the student is trying to get into this club and get behind the walls. And by the way, for years, uh, other non-members, students and, and people living in Cambridge have tried to break into these clubs because of what is hanging on the walls and what's behind the walls. And so people have for years been trying to... to uh, to penetrate these mansions. And in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Ian Smith. The title of his new book is The Ancient Nine. To find out more, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. Now, you talked about this earlier, Dr. Smith, that these clubs were exclusively made up of men that were white, privileged, came from the right side of the tracks, but you were none of those when you were punched. Right. So how did a guy like you get punched for these exclusive clubs? Yeah. And that's the part of the mystery of the club. You don't always find out why you were punched or who who even punched you. Um, You know, when you get invited or punched, you know, an envelope is literally slipped under your door in the middle of the night. Um, There's no return postage on it uh, or return address on it. It just has your name and room number. Uh, and it's an invitation. The first event typically is a cocktail party of the season. And so you're invited to this cocktail party and that's and you you arrive. But no one sits you down and says, oh, by the way, you know, you know, John, you know, Jacobs actually punched you. And this is why I punched you. No, that doesn't work that way. You kind of get mysteriously invited and you go through these steps, these rounds. So each round is a different event. And after the club usually punches about 100 guys to begin with. And then after each round, they typically drop about 20 or 25 guys until they have the final number between 12 and 20 guys left who actually make it into the final election and get into the club. Wow. It sounds really fascinating. If our listeners would like to pick up a copy of the book, if they would like to find out more about the book, how can they find out more, Doctor? Well, we have a great Facebook page called The Ancient Nine, which is awesome, so they should like that page. But let me also say that the audiobook is available, and the audiobook is tremendous. It's, it's vocalized uh, by a guy who has a great voice. So if you're in the car, you're on the train, or you like to listen to audiobooks, check out The Ancient Nine. And also my Twitter is at Dr. Ian Smith. That's D R 
I-A-N Smith. All right. And finally, Doctor, why should our listeners even pick up the book? If you like suspenseful novels, if you like historical uh, fiction, I mean, it's a fun story. And buried inside of the story actually is a love story. So it really has a little something for everybody. I love the genre of mystery and suspense, and I think people just, those who've read it so far, have enjoyed just kind of going at such a rapid pace uh, to the to the conclusion of the book. So I think it's a fun read. All right. Well, thank you so much, Doctor. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us about the book. Again, the title of the book is The H and Nine. Dr. Ian Smith, thank you so very much. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We've been speaking to New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Ian Smith. The title of the book is The Ancient Nine. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine right after this. More to come. Stay with us.